0: Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery, so we can better develop products that customers love. Today we're talking about portfolio management, creating a portfolio, adjusting it, selecting projects for it, and managing the innovation along the way as well. We'll get into that in more details. Our guest is Gareth Bradley. He's the director of product management at Planview, And Planview is a leading provider of product portfolio management solutions. Previous to Planview, Gareth held product VP roles and managed innovation portfolios also we will provide a detailed written summary of everything that we discuss, including a one page action guide for you to help you put into action some of the key concepts of care shares the action guide is a great resource for you really have a discussion with your colleagues and help you share what you learned during this episode if you want those resources simply go to productmasterynow.com slash four four seven also this episode is made possible by the rapid product mastery experience that's the rpm experience this is my system to help product VPs and leaders get their product managers and everyone else contributing to product to increase performance, working in alignment to reach your North Star objectives. It works best for new teams or established teams that are facing a big challenge. And it's really unlike other training that you will see out in the marketplace. It's an experience that we go through together. To find out more about that, go to productmasterynow.com RPM, see how it can help you and your team. Gareth, thanks for joining us today.
1: It's love to be here, Chad. Thanks very much for having me.
0: Delighted that you can come across the pond there and talk to us today. I'm in Colorado. You are out in the UK. The first thing I want to do is just set the stage and talk about what is this topic? What is a product portfolio and why do we care about these things?
1: It's a great place to start, Chad. So product portfolios, I think traditionally most people will think of them in companies that have maybe more than one product. Let's start there. They're going to align groups of work or work tracks around particular products so if we sell perhaps tvs mobile device mobile devices maybe home stereo equipment some companies will organize their product portfolios along those lines and it will be either at the product level so it could be a particular type of television or it could be obviously all around that tv's division Home Entertainment Division, they can work them that way. But traditionally speaking, it will be a group of products or services. So if you don't sell physical products, but you sell services maybe online, you would also group it the same way. And that's traditionally what we see day-to-day. Organizations come to us in my line of work and talk about product portfolio fitting into that that kind of organizational structure that perhaps they already have defined. And frankly, Chad, that's probably why they go down that path. It's defined that way. They organize their product and their business that way.
0: So a clear need when we have more than one product to help us start maybe having some focus, thinking about where we're going to put our resources compared to other things, how we're going to balance out our efforts and where we're placing those bets. We'll talk more about that. Yeah. But you talk about structured, right? So the TV company example, the entertainment company example. What are some of the different ways that you've seen organizations structure portfolios?
1: Yeah, I think there's almost two worlds, and forgive me for saying this, a kind of a traditional world, Mm -hmm. where the structure of those portfolios will be a little bit more about a project and thinking about how how that particular work item starts, is worked upon, and is then fundamentally delivered into the market. And that project mindset is how most organisations in the world today will think. At the very core level, we'll have project managers out there doing that work and managing that work day-to-day, and all of those projects will run into a group of projects called a portfolio, and that's how they'll do it. Start date, end date, and work through to delivery that way. That traditional view is prevalent. Lots and lots of organisations still do it, and I'd almost say there's maybe even a particular horse for a course, as we say in the UK, there's a particular time to do that. But what we've observed, and I've noted in particular, is a shift from a project mindset to a product mindset. And in that product mindset, obviously, things are more continual. You're into that sort of product development lifecycle. You're thinking about more continual evolution of a product or a service that goes into market. And therefore, the way your portfolio is structured needs to change, maybe needs to adapt for those types of innovations, for those types of services and products that are being delivered gets uh, that that's perhaps the newer frontier if you like versus the old traditional models which are more project orientated that's what i see one of the biggest challenges for many organizations out there today is how you kind of strike the balance if you've been working in one particular project orientated mindset for a long time maybe even you were founded that way some companies are i get are in that in in that kind of uh, on that maturity line where they've They've been founded and they've worked in that project mindset for a long time. And now, perhaps because of disruption in their market, because of a new competitor, perhaps the market has fundamentally changed. They're having to shift the way they think. That's a tough thing to do,
0: really. Maybe some specifics will help me think about that better. Because I come from a project management background as an engineer, learn project management to help lead yep. the development of software products, typically. And that just helped make sense of things we were doing, right? Yeah. For the last couple of decades, I certainly think in terms of product. So I think in my own head, these two topics are muddled. So concretely, one way I think about portfolios can be, I think probably Bob Cooper invited this model, at least talked about this model originally. You have your support projects, those things that are taking the existing products we have and making fixes, making incremental improvements, moving things forward, right? It's kind of that incremental innovation. And then maybe you have your breakthrough sort of projects that is hey, th- these are the new things we're doing. Maybe we're going to introduce a new, mar- new yeah. product to market, or might, we might take something we're doing now and put it into an adjacent area that we haven't been in before. And then maybe we have some other categories that we think through a platform that is going to be across many things. Maybe there's the other ways to package this. What do you see in terms of how the actual portfolio is structured in different organizations?: Yeah, so I guess I just probably explain more of a project perspective as opposed to maybe a product perspective might be around product families.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's exactly it. The product family notion mindset is something that we've seen emerge maybe in the last five to 10 years, if, I, if we think about the longer sort of period of time. I think about examples here that are organizations delivering connected goods, smart, connected products, where they've had to make that jump. Uh, obviously when you're manufacturing a physical thing it, it tends to be one version you work on a version it's complete there might be another updated version it can the development life cycle for that is a lot longer as more and more companies are now dealing in software that's I think chad where you're getting that product mindset comes in and the kind of clustering of, clustering of work to support the overall family group changes and that's how those portfolios are we're now seeing them being organized entertainment in cars for example automotive entertainment they wouldn't have made software other than sa- outside of engine management now there's a lot more software that goes into a vehicle to get a vehicle out you have to obviously have all of that bundled up and there's a family of supporting projects that would go inside of that portfolio perhaps but also once the vehicle is out there's continual work and that's where the product evolution and that life cycle comes in S- specifically with software you're going to have to you're gonna to have to keep working on that as the life cycle develops all the way through to end of life. It's it's as my CEO actually talks about, he has a great quote for this, which is good software is not like fine wine, it's more like sushi, right? It doesn't get better with age. You've got to think about how as an organization, how you can maintain your position in the market. And as you said, Chad, think about the structure of not just getting that product out to market, but then how do we balance our portfolio? to manage the whole life cycle? And equally, how do we manage other portfolios that are coexisting alongside us? Okay. Inside of the organization, competing for spend and resource and things
0: like that. So now there's two two things roaming around in my mind. And sorry, listeners. So hopefully this all will make sense to us as we go. <laughs> so there's the structure of the portfolio, which might be around specific product types, right? So we, we have our connected products, or maybe our IoT type products, the products we think about as part of a digital transformation we've done. and whatever kind of organization we're in. Like recently, I had an interview with Hershey Chocolate. They talk a little bit about the, I don't know how their portfolio is structured, but they talk about all the things they're doing with Reese's, right? The Reese's peanut butter cups and the different versions of that and the big cups and the thin mints and the dark chocolate versions and the like. And then they talk about maybe what they're doing with Kit Kats and something else. And so I imagine that they probably at least think about their products in those families and they may have their portfolio organized around that as well. Then we're also thinking about that life cycle that you introduced, and where are we in terms of getting a, maybe a new product developed or an enhancement to a product? When is that going to get released to the market? When it's in the marketplace, what are we seeing in terms of competition? And we're dealing with that. I want to get into that more, too. On the structure part, the I hear about buckets a lot. Organizations using different buckets, different categories. Right. Like I mentioned, maybe the support, the radical thing. Yeah. Another one that I come across people frequently talking about is the three horizons. Yeah. What are we doing in the short term? Where's our focus? What are we doing maybe a little further than that? What are we doing out from that? And then there's a version of that, which is kind of what's core to our business, what's more adjacent, what's really transformational. Yeah. Talk to us about those approaches a little bit too, just so we kind of have the landscape of choices here.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, Chad. That's a background that certainly appeals to me, the kind of horizon one, two, three thinking and how that plays into a portfolio balancing capability or process. I think on the first part, for sure, that group of products that are inside of a family, yeah, there'll be a supporting part. And we do see, and I've certainly come across companies that organize those portfolios of products. It's a cross-section. If you imagine cutting through a tree, you're getting the kind of the bigger bangs, the maybe the Horizon Two. Let's if we take that example, right? Horizon Two being something that is in my world not immediate, a little bit further out. Horizon One being something we'll deal with today, and Horizon Three, of course, being the, the furthest out, more of the bleeding edge. They'll look maybe look to balance in product mindsets, so look to balance Horizon One and Two through that cross section, so they'll keep them contained this portfolio is going to deal with a product that is going to market through its life cycle and we will look to support it with horizon one incremental innovation work to improve it once it's in market to grow market share and then if you're if you're an organization that likes to spend on r&d or has to spend not likes but has to actually spend to survive in r&d thinking about medical devices pharmaceutical divisions there's a lot of complexity there those portfolios can become more muddled they kind of like that intermediate step where you'll get Horizon 1, 2 and 3 perhaps all blended together. So you have the incremental innovation to support the product that's gone to market. You'll have maybe the next version of that product in Horizon 2 scenario. And Horizon 3 might be a to- totally new technology to support that product or a totally new technology to deliver that product or service. That blend... Perhaps is a little bit more typical in pharmaceutical and medical devices area where competition is high, where there are pressures on competitive or a patent cliffs, especially around pharmaceuticals and drugs, where you have to make those changes and place, those bets a bit differently. And then the third, obviously, part of this is the pure R&D area where you are looking at horizon three, some horizon two, and those portfolios, some organisations may be because of how they've been in the physical world perhaps pre-covid obviously now everyone's a little bit more virtual but in the physical world they've co-located r d and innovation together i think about some aeronautical engineering organizations we've worked with that have had examples of r d co-located physical built in a physical building to get a particular product to market to sustain it but then to pivot into their next horizon three project the kind of the lab The co-location of innovators and the portfolios are structured the same way. That's for spend, for govern, for alignment with governance and external processes that they may have to go through for flight testing and such. They will be lined up that way, and the spend will be ring fenced that way. I think more that's more traditional is the first two, Horizon One Two blend, Horizon Horizon kind of one two a bit of three, and then purely a sort of three. And maybe a two mindset. There's almost stacks. I think of them as color-coded cross-sections in my head, but Mm -hmm. it's almost about that balance and where you perhaps want to spend your R and D dollars.
0: Okay. So it sounds like there's a overlay going on here. And I'm trying to come up with an example in my mind. So let's say we're a medical device company and maybe we're in the we have radiation devices that that help for treating cancer and like. We have maybe T-type devices, X-ray imaging, and maybe some other Newer energy devices, proton devices or something. And maybe each one of those is a product category for us. Three buckets, three categories in our portfolio. So far, so good? Yes. Yep. And then inside each one of those, we might be managing that category using, for example, a three horizon sort of approach and thinking about what are we doing today to our x-ray machine? What's kind of those incremental things that we have planned out that we can see that are going to make sense? What's the things that we're going to be working on a little bit later? The maybe the adjacent stuff, the two year kind of time frame stuff, and then we got our R and D department. They have some budget that's related to that category of our X ray machines. Sorry, I keep saying X ray of our radiation machines <laughs> to work on new capabilities that technology might bring us later. And so in each one of our, I just say buckets all the time. Each one of our categories in our portfolio. We could have that approach of thinking through kind of a Three Horizons plan for how we're spending money. Yes. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Okay.
1: I was going to say, I do think that's becoming more prevalent. That okay. will happen. And it seems to be vertical specific, frankly. They're less, less reliant on te- on maybe software, and maybe that dictates some of the physical developments and the willingness to blend that that portfolio that way, to have the sort of truly blended stack.
0: I'm taking a brief break from the interview to tell you about an upcoming conference. If I only attend one conference a year, it is this one PDMA's Inspire Innovation Conference the Product Development and Management Association they've been around researching, developing and curating the product management and innovation body of knowledge since 1976. There's a great depth of discipline here for us to tap into. This is where people new to product go to meet those with deep experience and is also where those with deep experience go to network with others. This year I'll not only be attending sessions and networking but also conducting face-to-face interviews with the speakers. We'll be discussing topics on product innovation processes customer insights portfolio management and much more i hope you also consider attending it's september 16th to 19th in new orleans louisiana and the early bird rate is still being offered so you can save some money right now but only until july 27th you have to register before july 27th so check it out by going to pdma.org that's pdma.org. and when you come to the conference please introduce yourself to me as i would love to meet you i love this conference hope you can come and then we have a third possible overlay. The way I'm thinking about it at least, which is the product life cycle. Traditional product life cycle, I'm, I think about is we have stuff that gets into development. We make whatever real to deliver to customers. We introduce it into the marketplace. So that's kind of the first key phase. And then we see, ideally, see it grow in the marketplace, picked up by customers. We typically see competitors come in. So we're in the mature part of the life cycle where we're fighting out with competitors and we're making our incremental improvements and jockeying price and services and different things yeah at some point we see the product decline in the marketplace because competitors are simply doing a better job or customers preferences have changed or something and so we have that aspect of a portfolio too right managing that life cycle is that right
1: that's right that's right i've seen that particularly around pharmaceuticals that develop drugs and particularly where there is generic or non-brand drugs versus branded drugs patented Mm -hmm. drugs so that actually can happen, right? If you think about that life cycle, a company comes up with a new drug for to treat a particular illness or, or something that's out there in the population. They patent it, they develop it, they sink all that R&D money in, get that to market. But then after a while, there's a natural barrier, right? A natural end of life for that product, which is now it's generic. Anybody can now make that drug. So those types of portfolios, going back to a kind of a living example, you might think about Balancing that portfolio, that spend against regulatory approval for the for a new drug. Perhaps there is a it's a particular geography that you sell that drug into. There are some extra I thought think of like internal and external factors there, where you're you're running up against how that is that some of that product that drug is performing in market, what your sort of net present value is against that portfolio of maybe drugs or associated drugs and services. And then against the newer area the mpv or the unknown mpv the thing that you have to balance and predict and see five to 10 to 15 years out for drug development those portfolios may have a blend to get them there because they always are competing against the external factor the things that i guess are in control when it's regulatory you know the process you know how long things take for clinical trials and such but then there is the competitive part as you say is somebody coming to market with to wipe out our profit share on another portfolio, which will impact our overall MPV for the organisation. Do we have to think? Do we have to think about adjusting our R and D spend and that portfolio's kind of time to market? Do we need to get there faster? Do we need to get there more slowly? Do we need to reorganise our resources? There's a lot of questions that start to come up between that internal external blend for the decision making. I think some real world examples there, that and some particular verticals that can be disrupted significantly by that kind of pressure.
0: So to keep this in my mind straight, when we're helping product leaders think about structuring a portfolio or they're having discussions about this, having some kind of categories that we put our products around is important because then we can think about how we're resourcing, who deserves, which kind of products deserve resources right now based on what our strategy is, the organization, competition, market, all that, right? So we can think about the buckets or the categories to organize things around and then we have this issue of now in my mind, as we've talked through it a little bit, the life cycle and the three horizons overlap to me quite a bit, right? We don't want to get surprised and say, hey, we just got this blockbuster product into the marketplace. It's fantastic. We're putting all of our energy behind that. That's 90% of our work now and our revenue. And in two years, go, oh, now it's not doing so well. We don't have anything coming in behind it. That's the life cycle light bulb that goes off. We have to think about what we're preparing next to go into things so far so good categories of products and life cycle how we should be thinking about what's coming in 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 front of us in the next two or three years that's it yeah okay in a nutshell very fair okay i'm sure plan v has all kinds of resources available to us but is there a place that where you might have case studies that talk about different ways that organizations have structured portfolios
1: yeah, there's some examples at planview.com that talk through our different kind of approaches where you've got maybe more of the PPM world, product portfolio management. There's traditional areas of, and things that we talked about so far on the podcast. And then there'll be more of the SPM, the strategic portfolio management, which is where there's a little intersection here where there's almost maturity happens. Organizations move from that project to product mindset. Also, there's some real concrete examples about how this is done at scale. So if we think about how we can balance that portfolio, there's particular capabilities you need to unlock around visualizing the portfolio from a financial perspective, from a resource perspective, how certain yep. headwinds in, in your market can impact. You know, though, though there's some good examples of that available, as I say, at planv.com. Let's take a look at I'm trying to bring, a, hopefully I'm doing okay at bringing some of those to life here as examples and how we think about, how we can, as people who work in this space, think about getting product to market and organizing a portfolio to do that. I haven't even yeah. talked about innovation yet, but how innovation can play in, into it is also important and hopefully something we can touch on it as we go through.
0: Yeah, we can only do so much in about 30 minutes together. So I thought pointing to people, some examples would be helpful because this does, this is how we resource, how we allocate funding, how we think about where we're going to put our efforts in an organization. And having those diagrams, the information that tells us how different projects are and products are working and is important to us. You mentioned innovation. This is certainly a part of this I want to get into. When we first I got introduced to you, this was actually a question I asked you over email, was where do innovation projects enter a portfolio? And what I mean specifically by that is if we have an organization that is soliciting ideas somehow from their employees, from partners, whatever, they're generating a robust amount of ideas regularly. We're not going to take action on all those, certainly. A lot of those, we need to run some quick experiments to say, hey, that sounds interesting. Figure out what are the assumptions you're making. Figure out what you don't actually know and see if you can find a customer who's interested in that idea and get it to a point where at least we're, we think now, maybe we have of the thousands of things that came in over the year, maybe now we have a hundred that look like we want to take some action maybe. And at some point, maybe there's 10 of those that we say, yeah, we're going to, we're, we plan to develop that into a product. Along the way, we might learn something that isn't good for us and we won't do it. We'll kill it off. But that's the plan. We're not going to take all thousand of those things and manage them as part of a portfolio. That just doesn't make sense to me. But at some point... The key thing in my mind, and tell me if this is the wrong way to think about this, I think about projects or products that are under portfolio management as being things that we're making higher commitments to, that they need more funding, they need more resources allocated, we're paying attention to them, and we want to draw visibility to them right in the organization. I may have muddled that too much. Where do innovation ideas enter the portfolio?
1: No, I'm totally with you. The first point I would make is something that you said earlier on. It's about those horizons so we can think about horizons as time-based horizon one horizon two and horizon three you nailed it before chad when you were talking about the three the other way to describe the three which is incremental breakthrough and disruptive now i have a over the years i've seen organizations take different approaches but the first rule of this is to start with the end in mind the simplest rule in the world what do we want to put into market so organizations who win at innovation and i'm not just talking about the iPhone, or the, or the some of the like, the Hollywood moments of innovation. I'm talking about innovation that that can be down there in the trenches, right? That can be day to day. That can go all the way through to brand new disruptive things that go across the world and virally take off. Organizations that win at this game are the ones who think about the end in mind, and pr- predominantly that's around funding. How do we fund innovation in our in and around our portfolios? How do we get it there? As you said, I've had a lot of experience of working with the crowd component of that and organizing the crowd structure, the crowd being, for people who don't know, people within your organization, your employees, can also be people who are in your supply chain. It could be your partners, could be customers, co-collaboration. But organizing that activity into maybe those three buckets, the incremental, the disruptive, the breakthrough, great. That's a good starting point. I can... Gather ideas that are easier to do. If if it's in America, it would be like the Nike ideas. Just do it. Things that we can roll out that are within our spend that we have budget already assigned for. Great. Second ones might be where where there is a bit more skin in the game required. So you're in that kind of breakthrough, and then obviously you've got disruptive. In the latter two there, the breakthrough and disruptive, I think, personally, I feel quite strongly that there's a middle space before the portfolio. This incubation area... Is where maybe you've down selected from thousands of ideas and you've got to a thousand. Maybe you know one in ten, one in twenty have made it okay. that far. That incubation area can actually be where that pre-funding is thought about, the resourcing is thought about, the market fit is thought about. It's a lot you can do pre-planning innovation before it's handed across, before it's lined up with the portfolio, so to speak, before we get a target. If you don't do the middle step. Or if you don't execute that middle step particularly well, it's where companies can literally succeed and fail with innovation. You end up with a lot of good ideas that have been solicited and worked on quite heavily. They're viable in your, in your mind, but there's no one to take them. It's like playing catch with yourself. There's no one at the other side. You need the ability to execute that. I've worked with engineering companies who are doing this really well and aligning their, their funding in the portfolio, allocating spend for innovation that can cover, by the way, all three types, but the portfolio has spend that's there, that's identified. And what you find in those companies is they know they've got the money, they'll come up funnel or across funnel, if you like, to the start, the front end, and they will actually actively engage. They'll say, we're looking for this type of idea, this type of innovation, and they will line the end up with the start. So how they structure it, how they seek to collaborate, how they capture those ideas and work them through to incubation, they're engaged in that. Protecting, therefore, the incubation step and making sure that when they take the 1 in 10 ideas into their organisation or into their portfolio, that it's viable, there's been sign-off, there's been process, there's been governance, and the idea is going to get to market. Of course, there can be things, external factors, that can influence that, but fundamentally, connecting the two the end and the start, the, the top of the funnel, the bottom of the funnel. It's a lot easier than perhaps organisations think, but equally there is a part of it that's the glue to bind all of these separate processes together, and that often is incubation to align it to the portfolio. I prefer to see the organisations that win. Like them, they come up, funnel, and connect there at the start once they've allocated funding and resource to get that to market. The ones who don't, they tend to be the ones who... So, as I said, solicit a lot of ideas, work through a very intricate workflow process to get to a viable number of ideas. And then they're either left in a holding pen, the market moves on quicker, they get disrupted, didn't act on that idea. So it becomes, It can, from the outside looking in, it can be a little frustrating when you see organizations miss that step, when they have the tools available within the four walls of the virtual org to do it, they, and they don't quite execute on it. I do think when you look at these The innovation portfolios, you're looking at agility, the visibility of data, the availability of data that's either from the customer base, from the market, from competitors that you can line up against. And then you think about the collaboration. Is it viable for us to get those ideas from our organization to get them to market? Do we have the financing? Do we have the agility to move things out of the way to accelerate that one idea, which could give us more market share? It becomes more about tactical portfolio management once you've got it in. But connecting the two, connecting the two, as I say, that incubation layer is pivotal in organizing both the portfolio and the delivery of that idea.
0: A couple takeaways for me in that one, as a project manager that has an idea or has sourced an idea from someplace and thinks that we need to push this forward, it would be wise for me to be in touch with the portfolio people understand what they are looking for at this point of time, what they have funding for, the kinds of projects that they're actually going to move forward with in in some type of frame. So I can better align what I'm seeing to what they're taking to. Yeah. Getting the
1: right idea to the right delivery mechanism at the right time. Very simple mantra. Yeah. That's exactly what you're talking about.
0: Okay. And then as a product leader, maybe a product VP, I would want our portfolio to have funding allocated for receiving new ideas too. And so if we, if I'm making this with the executive team, this decision across our portfolios, there must be a discussion that says we're putting X number of dollars in, into this bucket of work, right, into our radiation product line. And out of that, I want to reserve some percentage. I don't know what companies use, but let's say I'm going to reserve 10% of that money to accept new ideas that come in over the course of the next year so we can start developing those. That's
1: probably close to a best practice, that one, okay. to be honest, Chad.
0: Okay, very good. Have, having okay. that alignment. Yep. Okay. So this helps provide some get our hands dirty a little bit around portfolio management and what is involved in that. We're going to run a little long because I want to ask about a couple more things real quick. When do we start taking notice that something is going on that we need to rethink how we're doing our portfolio? We teed this up in the beginning that we've gone from thinking about projects to products. What do we see going on in the portfolio where we should stand back and go, we need to think about how we're allocating our resources and do this differently
1: yeah i think on a day-to-day basis my personal approach is looking at throughput how are we what are we getting into what are we getting out there into market in software that's a, a lot easier to maybe to deal with because you can see bottlenecks you might be witnessing engineers developers working with technology that's difficult to get out to market that's not stable that causes a tail of of issues and bugs and that's an indicator right so kind of quality time to market how are we finishing things on time as predicted on budget on with the resource we have if not maybe there's a adjustment needs to be made there i think i'm a believer in if you think about the whole life cycle what's happening in the market with what we've delivered already so coming full circle and we and i've pushed this particularly inside of organizations i've worked with think about modeling all of the signals you get, and that's a lot easier, right? It's very topical at the moment to talk about the, those language models and how they can cluster information. But being able to visualize those points of data, so looking at the health of your of sentiment, perhaps inside of your pro, your projects and portfolios, how is that tracking? Are we are people talking about things that are going to finish on time? That are looking late, early indicators, and also looking externally at what your maybe what the voice of the customer is telling you. So being able to model those things together, I've seen some really advanced approaches to that in the banking world where they can overlay it, even bring in things like complaint data and start to look at the funding and spend in a portfolio that might be addressing particular bugs, quality issues in, in software or process issues where customer attrition is being generated from and then aligning that with the spend. What do we have in our portfolio that is meeting this need? goes back to your point before, Chad, right? the project manager being connected and understanding that landscape helps them make that adjustment and be more agile inside of the product world. I've said the A word, so (laughs) we must be doing innovation if we said agile.
0: Okay, thanks for addressing that too, because changes are needed at a time. Really good discussion about portfolio management and help us think about the parts of that are involved in this, those initial categories around products, maybe projects. I think of them as the buckets we're going to put our funding in and organize resources and then how does that play to the life cycle? And What are we thinking about in terms of innovation and how the new ideas might enter the portfolio when we're making commitments to take them forward and work on them? As listeners know, we do enjoy innovation quotes around here. What do you have for us and what does it mean to you?
1: Okay, I'm going to use a quote that I've long had from James Sirwicky, who is the father of group innovation, crowd innovation, the power of the crowd. If you haven't read it, I thoroughly recommend it. It will change your mindset, <laughs> quite literally. So my quote would be, under the right circumstances, groups are remarkably smart. Smarter even, sometimes, than the smartest person inside of them. If you, That's something that's really close to me. For the last 13 years, I've spent working in crowd innovation and collaboration, and I think it I've lost count of the amount of times so I've seen that bear fruit inside of organizations across the world. The power of the crowd can organize top of your funnel and that can align to delivery. So
0: it means a lot to me for that one, Chad. Very good. Thank you for sharing the quote. It sounds like a book that we should check out as well. I have come across it in the past, but I don't think I've read it yet. Excellent discussion. How can people find out more about you and the work you're doing? You shared a planview.com before as a place to get resources. What else should we know?
1: Uh, yeah, you can contact me on LinkedIn. So um, I'm available on there. If anyone's got, got questions, thoughts, to uh, discussion they want to share, please react, reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best platform. And Brad is underscore 81 on Twitter as well. So there would be probably the best two places to, to find me, Chad.
0: Excellent. We'll put those links in the show notes to make that easy for people to find. Garrett, thank you so much for the information today.
1: No problem. Thank you very much for having me, Chad. Hopefully everything was useful for your listeners.
0: Great discussion. And listeners, once again, if you wanna find the written summary of everything we talked about and that one-page action guide to help you put into action and also help you share with your colleagues what we talked about, simply go to productmasterynow.com slash four four seven. Everyone, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master creating products customers love find additional resources at productmasterynow.com keep innovating it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win